Hey, smack a gob, everybody. It is high, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Slayer! Wadzilla, baby. What's going on there, Wadzilla? Not much, man. Off of work, getting ready to... Uh, I get to celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow with the family. It's awesome. That way I got the day after to fucking recover. So, getting ready to enter a three-day weekend for me. And, uh, fuck it, let's kick it off with, uh, some fucking Slayer. Slayer! Slayer! Man music. Yes, evil music for fucking people who like metal. But I don't think Bushy likes Slayer. Uh, no, I think he does. He's man. He's man. No, he, he doesn't. No. That's what, two things I think you'll never find. You know, well, you'll never see like a seven foot redheaded Chinese dude, and you'll never find a Sammy Hagar fan that likes Slayer. Well, I mean, Merciful Fate, he likes Merciful Fate, so why wouldn't he like Does he? Does he, though? Yeah, does he, he? he went to go see him and everything. Did he? Yeah. Don't believe it. Yeah, but Bushy's not one of those uh, wussies out there that says stuff like, I don't like Slayer, so unfriend me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Bushy did say that OU812 was better than Fair Warning. Yeah, but he, so. didn't, he doesn't mean that. Nobody nobody in their right mind would, would even think that. You know what oh, I mean? see, now you're making me feel bad because I called Child Protective Services. And told him that he listens to Sammy Hagar and they took his daughter away. Uh, he, he does think Limp Bizkit's uh, Behind Blue Eyes is better than the Who's version, so yeah, he deserved that call. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, no. But when I called the authorities, I did it with a wink. So, who's that? And the authorities are just as dumb as Mark, and let him know. <laughs> uh, speaking of Mark, um, Chuck Charles. Wanted me yeah. to a couple of things. Yeah, he wanted me to talk about because I talked to him today, and he wanted me to say this on the air. Uh-oh. Mark. Uh, he said to me, Ralph, thank you for inspiring me to leave that piece of crap show. <laughs> and then he sent me a screenshot where Mark wrote, I don't like Slayer, so unfriend me. Yes, I who did writes, see that post. Who writes I, shit about you at, man? Really? I can what vouch a, for that. What a little drama queen. Oh, you looking for a little drama. Who, well. Who the hell cares if you like Slayer or not? I know I don't. I don't give a fuck what Mike Mark likes. Seriously. Guy's got well, shitty taste in music in my world. To help compensate for them losing, you know, the five listeners because, you know, Chuck Charles Manson left. Uh, I am going to go on Freeform Rock Podcast, even though I've never listened to one fucking episode because I'm not a masochist. Um, but I'm going to go on there this Sunday. I don't know when it's going to be fucking aired. But I'm going to go on there to discuss uh, the musical merit of Samuel Horatio Hagar's Musical Chairs with Mark Elvin Taylor. And I thought it was so funny because uh, he did say, you got to come to my show and, and, and do a Hagar album. Yeah. And, it's, and so I picked Musical Chairs because that's the vinyl that he bought for us. I was like, fine, let's do that one. 
No, that one sucks. <laughs> well, how does that separate it from any of the other fucking yeah, exactly. They all suck. Yeah. So I just happened to pick the one, the infamous one. You've all seen pictures of it. You know, it had everybody uh, sign it at Rock and Pod. Uh, <laughs> the best is when, uh, when uh, what's it, Eddie Fingers OJ sat down with us, and I had it like sitting in front of my laptop, and we got the the cock going in uh, Sammy's mouth. And we didn't draw that. That's on the original cover. <laughs> but but Eddie sat down. He like put on glasses for a second. He picked it up, looking through it. He was like. <laughs> it was a, a priceless moment, man. I, I love shit like that with the with the people in rock and pop. Good times. Well, Ian, like I told you earlier, before you do freeform, you should listen to the episode I did where we talked about balance. Where I didn't even listen to the balance album. I just went on there. They told Mark off, and Mark the whole time was agreeing with me, apologizing for all the stupid shit he does. And then after that episode, he went on to, he didn't learn anything. He's such a poser. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it, I'm wrong. And then he goes and does it again, because that's what posers do. Well, I'm taking one for the team. I'm actually going to listen to this fucking Hagar album. Uh, I'm not going to play that record. You know that I have because I ain't fucking on my turntable with that shit. In fact, I'm probably gonna listen to it on somebody else's headphones. But uh, yeah, I want to be able to write the best possible joke because I know no matter what I come up with, if I actually listen to that shit, it'll be ten times better. You know than, than if I just guess how much it sucks. I will actually know how much it sucks. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's probably not as bad as the other Hagar albums because Mark thinks it's done. Yeah, it's probably real heavy. It's probably like the most satanic Hagar ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, Jimmy Crack Corn and Mark hates Slayer and I don't care. <laughs> but we don't. We love Slayer. Yum, yum, yum. Slayer, Slayer, Slayer. Oh, but, uh... Got no new, uh, we need to get some new iTunes reviews, you motherfuckers. iTunes, I know that, Yeah, I know, and, and we need some new reviews to read. It's so slow over at iTunes uh, that we haven't even gotten a bad Terrence review under a pseudonym in months. Oh. So that's when you know it's slow. Is he gone? Uh, I, I have not heard hide or hair from, uh, from Terrence. Okay. He has not been on YouTube, and you know what? That might be for the better. That might be what's best for his mental health, you know, and his dad's health. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no Andrew Jacobs. Hopefully, he put two, both barrels in his mouth. Uh, but yeah, we haven't even gotten like negative reviews uh, from other people either. Sometimes we get legitimate negative reviews, and I love those. Uh, but I also love ones where you lather our ass. But remember, always say Ralph first. But if you can't do iTunes, leave one on Podbean. Uh, I can read those as well. But until then, let's go into the news and see what's happened um, in the last couple days. Because we just did a couple back-to-back, put them up. People are loving that shit. Excuse me. Um, yeah, we gave you a twofer on Thanksgiving. Hope you appreciate it. 
Well, Mick Fox says, as long as I'm there, the band's going to sound like Uriah Heep. And I think that's kind of funny because Uriah Heep has many different eras, and to me, not one of them sound alike. Even though I like them. Um, I like the new album. Have you heard any of that, K Color of Chaos? You know, that was like that and Look at Yourself. The last album, Look at Yourself, was like the two best ones I've ever heard. Yeah, but they sound nothing alike. <laughs> I don't, but they're, those are the best albums, I think. Oh, yeah, no no good shit, good shit, but I, I think the Riot Heap is a, a hard band to pin down because all the eras are so different. Uh, but I'm all for them to keep going, man. I was thoroughly impressed when you and I saw them live, opening up for Priest. Uh, I went back and listened to that album, I think it's like Living the Dream or some shit like that. I love that one. Uh, the new one I dig. And uh, I'm all for them to keep going. I think they're going to be opening up for Priest again. I think it's Priest and Saxon on uh, this new Priest uh, tour that's starting up, I think, in April or something. Uh, they announced the first leg so far, nothing in my neck of the woods. And I think there's one in Florida, but it's like Central Florida. So, But uh, yeah, keep going, Uriah Heat. Alright, well, Zach Wilde continued playing with Pantera permanently. I don't know why you would end it, he says. Um, interesting. Does that lead you to believe, Ralph, that there might be uh, new music in the future? I hope not. But, you know, yeah. at the same time, what, what, Black Label Society, nobody cares anymore. Yeah. I think he's probably doing pretty good playing with Pantera. I know um, Zach Sabbath is playing here in Seattle um, right around Christmas time. And I might try to make that because I've never seen Zach Sabbath. I, you did, right? Yeah, and that's the last time I was paid to see Zach Well, oh, I yeah. got to pay to see Pantera. Yeah. I didn't think of But that. That, wasn't, that was because of Zach's manager, right? That wasn't Zach that was. That was right? Yeah, it was his manager. But, I mean, there was a part where he was screaming at me right in front of him. He didn't do shit. Oh, okay. That part Yeah, I, I still maintain uh, Zach was one of the nicest guys I've ever met in uh, the history of meeting uh, musical heroes. And uh, But his manager was a douchebag back then. That was Ozfest in the fucking 90s, I think. Uh, but yeah, uh, I hope to see the Pantera tribute thing. Um, but if it comes down to new music, uh, I would hope that would go up. That's when they would, like, release it under a different name. You know? But, or great musicians, who knows what they'd come up with. But I, I can't see Zach writing in that style. You know? So that's where I think it'd be kind of weird. I don't see it happen. Mike Portnoy opens up about his return to Dream Theater. Says it just felt like the time was right to do it. Any um, time was right to do it. Give me a break. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, uh... I, I mean, I actually do believe that, uh... You know, Mike's rekindled his friendship with certain members of the band. I don't know if it's the same with all of them. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic here. Uh, 
but you know they weren't doing that great, you know, with Mangini. I mean, not bad, but Dream Theater's never been a band that sold a lot of records. You know, they got their you know niche audience and stuff, but uh, they were talking about the possibility of you know when they record again, uh, will they do a sequel to Metropolis? And he kind of talked out both sides of his mouth on that. And, you know, one side, like, ooh, it seems like the logical thing to do. And they said, well, maybe that's why we won't do it. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'd be interested to, you know, be interested to hear what new they do with them. Um, but I got a feeling Jordan ruined this would fuck it all up. What do you think? Are you, are you anxiously awaiting new Dream Theater music with Mike Bournoy? Not at all. Not at all. But I'll check it out when it comes out, and if it's good, yeah. I'll see them. But if it's not good, I'm not going to see Dream Theater. Unless they release a kick-ass album, I really don't care. Or unless they do a, Met- a Metropolis Part 2. You know, one of those nostalgia things, I'll go to that. Or play all of Awake, or play all of, uh, 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 what's the first one? What's the second one's called? Uh, Image in the Work. Oh, yeah. Play those albums in full, I'll go see it. The new album doesn't uh, tickle my sphincter. I'm not going. Gotcha. Well, oh my God. Kith Campbell's third show in a row with Paul Stanley Vilnius. Uh, like, why would you have to cancel a show over Paul Stanley being sick? Yeah, I know. I mean, he, it, he's singing the tapes anyway. What's the point? Yeah, I, I, I think it's the computer that has a virus. Yeah, I don't think it's Paul Stanley. I think somebody downloaded porn on, on the fucking uh, Kiss computer. You know, I, but, I'm uh, not sure if there's any more dates left after this one, but I guarantee they're going to cancel all of them till Madison Square Garden, where Paul Stanley will miraculously feel better for those last. Ooh. I have a feeling they're going to cancel all the shows up to Madison Square Garden. Interesting because yeah, it's not too long before that comes up, right? That's in December. Uh, it's like I don't know, ten days maybe. Oh shit! Well, then you're probably right. You're probably right, and probably a way to spike up revenue. You know, maybe it's not selling enough, so they're doing this. But uh, yeah, that and they say there's no uh, no plans to reschedule these shows either. Yeah, uh, for Canada. So, uh, but. You know who's really pissed, besides all the kiss tards north of the border, is uh, Eric Singer and fucking Tommy Thayer, because that's three cancels, concerts. They each lost sixty dollars <laughs> that they don't see over those shows, and uh, you know inflation and everything. Uh, bummer for them. Yep. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne rules out performing in a wheelchair. Says, "What's the fucking point in that?" Yeah, and I agree. No, I agree. And uh, yeah, I, I'm glad. I I hope uh, Sharon, you know, isn't like pushing that on him or tries to talk him into it. Because that Phil Collins shit that was that was terrible. That was terrible, painful to watch. I just watched a couple clips. I'm like, oh man. Stop. Stop. Now, the sad part of this in this world we live in, if Ozzy does a tour in a wheelchair, he'll self-place him out. I don't know. You think he still would? Yeah, because people are idiots. Look at Kiss. Yeah. Look how good Kiss is still doing. 
Yeah. I mean, come on. There's probably a bunch of fucking idiots that are going, You think you'll play Crazy Train? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, and more. I hope Ozzy <laughs> <play> schools out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll be like, Is Randy Rhodes still in the band? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like fucking those fans even know who Randy Rhodes is. I have no idea. They probably think they saw Randy Rhodes. Hey, I think that was Randy playing up there. Uh, meanwhile, Sharon says Ozzy deserves to be inducted into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo artist. Um, which I wouldn't be surprised to see happen. What about you? Well, they should let him in for ordinary, man. I mean, right there. That's 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 great qualification to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The ordinary man. Well, I kind of think, like, between her pull and especially, like, the sicker he gets, the more sympathy you're going to see, you know, and then Rolling Stone will be like, oh, he was a genius. We always loved him. Yeah. So, wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, Trump's Rick Emmett dismisses brush comparisons. Musically, we weren't trying to do the kinds of things that they were doing. And um, I concur. Yeah, they were different than Rush, except for one song. I'll say one song very Rush-like is Blinding Light Show. The rest, no. The rest was very, you know, good rock and roll, man. What album's that on? Rock and Roll Machine. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, yeah, they're from Canada and they're a power trio, but yeah, I don't hear any of that shit. Try them some more AOR, you know. Yeah. There you go. I uh, saw some footage of Anthrax singer Joey Belladonna's Journey Tribute Band in Satellite Beach, Florida, where I used to live just a, just adjacent to that. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, fuck, man. He's playing this tiny-ass bar, and either Joey really needs that money... Or he just really enjoys singing this journey shit because it's a very small town, you know, and it's a very small bar. Even if you sell it out, you're not going to make a lot of money. And I'm wondering, man, I mean, it could be a little of both. I think he really enjoys singing this journey shit, you know, because he's always loved journey. But think of all the money he's losing, you know, with Anthrax. If you think about it, when they do put out albums, he gets none of the publishing. So, you know, because he doesn't write anything. So the only way he makes money is if they tour. And, you know, there's no way they're touring anytime soon because Scott Ian's making more money playing with Bungle and Charlie's making more money playing with fucking, uh, uh, you know, Pantera. You know, and they're going to take care of them. You know, fuck, fuck the rest of Anthrax. You know, fuck Frankie. I don't even think they know the guitar player was in the band. I don't think they probably ever met. You know? But, uh... That's gotta be hard if you think about it. How else do you have money coming in? You know? So... He played... played Piper, where I went to see him there. And that that show in North Florida, wherever, he played again in Piper's the night before. But I was like, I'm not going to see this again. He plays too many... Later Journey songs, Ladies on Radio Crap. I mean, too yeah. much of that crap that 
He didn't go into the journey I like, and I'm, I wasn't gonna go pick that. Yeah. Well, you, you got to think about. It. I mean, it's probably smart business sense because most journey people, people who would go see a journey tribute band, are the people that only know the Steve Perry shit, you know, and specifically more probably the fucking you know the Kane era. Um, you know, so you got to know your audience, and I think he knows the audience, and and the other like ten percent are Anthrax fans who just want to see Joey Belladonna. And that's why I will not go see him do his journey time. There you go. Well, Tim Bream went and saw him though. Singing Stanley himself posted some cool pictures of him with Joey. Okay. I wonder. I wonder what that cost. Sixty bucks. Uh, he, he was charging Man. 60 bucks. I wanted to meet him, and they told me 60 bucks. I was like, fuck you. I already met Joey before. I wanted to say hi to him, and, oh, you're going to do this shit? Fuck you. I ain't paying like 60 bucks. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I get it's tough for these guys, too, but, man, you know, a fan's already paid for the ticket. They got to pay for drinks their way there and everything. And then you're going to charge them another 60 bucks for two seconds? Yeah, no Damn, thank I'm you. gassy. Sorry. Uh, Exodus Steve Zentro Souza on what keeps him motivated. He says, I owe it to the fans who still want to see us. And uh, I thought it was cool. I saw they played Impact as Enemant for the first time, uh, like since that tour. So that's cool. They're switching up the set list a little bit. You know, not my favorite Exodus album, but still. Um, nice to see him changing it up. I'd go see Exodus again. I saw him last year. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Watched him with uh, Will Carroll. Yeah, the time. reason I went was really Jeff Angel. I didn't care less about Exodus or Yeah. Good time that I barely remember. And Will Carroll will back that up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Glenn Hughes. God damn it, I hate this shit. Celebrates 26 years of sobriety. And I, I said this before, but why do all these sober people feel the need to tell you that shit? Look, I am sober, and I didn't write down the date I stopped drinking. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Well, it gets worse than that. It gets worse than that. Let me click on this story. Because uh, on his post, he's got a... Uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen these kind of things. People I work with who are going to retire, they got these countdown clocks that count, uh, like, to the minute how long it is to the retirement. And I can get that. You know, you're happy, you've worked all your life, you're going to get away, it's a fun little thing. So he has an app that says he's been sober for 26 years, 312 months, 9,497 days, uh, two... 227, nine, uh, 910,000 hours. Like, really? You remember the second you stopped? Yeah, well, I think you should drink a bottle of Jack to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people need to stop drinking. And, you know, I know a lot of people think, you know, I party all the time. Truth be told, anymore... Seriously, I drink when the football game's on, 
and when I record this show, and that's it. You know, but I don't make posts about that shit. The motherfucker, you know, just it's like I haven't hit my wife in three years. Who gives a shit? You're not supposed to hit your wife. You're not supposed to be an alcoholic. Uh, I say beat your wife up. It's been three years. Yeah, then have a drink. <laughs> yeah, he earned it. Rick oh. Allen, her ass. Uh, we're, we're gonna get in trouble for that. I, I just saw there's some comedian that, that's getting canceled over that shit. He made a, uh, uh, domestic violence joke in a new Netflix special. And now he's, he's getting fucking canceled. Yeah, well, let's talk about beating up a girl. Yeah. Uh, we gotta find an album that's all about beating up the chicks. I'll beat up that chick, Mark Allen Taylor. She's weak. <laughs> She's very weak. And and, and and very uh very uh Christian wants to beat up people. He's Christian. Yeah, but I mean, you, you wouldn't have to worry about jail time. I mean, I would just you know give your uh, defense attorney a copy of Freeform and they play that and you know everybody sympathize with you. You know, you know he'd never get raped in prison because he's so fucking ugly. <laughs> because he wouldn't shut up about Sammy Hagar. Nobody'd be able to get a heart on. Oh, God. Uh, so, Coverdale Page is reissuing their album in Japan. Who? Huh? Oh, Coverdale yeah. Page. Yeah, I just put up a news story about that tonight. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, go check out my news story. I'll, I'll just say this. Man, what the fuck happened with that album? I mean, it sold a million copies in the U.S., and then they just stopped promoting it out of nowhere. And, you know, the only thing that I can think of is that Robert Plant was really bitchy around that time when that album came out. He kept bad-mouthing David Coverdale. I don't know oh, if yeah. something to do with it. There, and, and there was plans of a Coverdale page box set, you know, yeah. uh, the 30-year anniversary. And then David Coverdale said later, no, it's not going to happen. And, you know, I have a really great soundboard show from Japan. Yeah. Coverdale yeah, page. I do too. Dude, that shit sounds amazing. I would have loved to them add something like that. You know, like live show and uh, I absolutely love that album. I have it on CD. CD sounds fine. I'm not anti-CD. I'm happy I have it, but yeah, I would love to have the vinyl. Now, back in the day, when that that CD was new, they did release it on vinyl. One book. You know how shitty that must sound? Cause that that uh, that album's like an album long. You know? Oh yeah. And to fit all that on the album, it ain't gonna sound good. So the Japanese pressing has too much on it. So right. That's great. I love it. I love that album. I think it's the best thing Page has done since uh, Led Zeppelin, and I think it's the best thing Coverdale's done since Burns. Yeah, I like it more than White Snake. Yeah. And I'll go a step further. I think it's better than those two Plant Page albums. It is, but I gotta say, man, I do like Walking Back to Court. I think that's a great album. I like it. Coverdale, but I think much better. Much. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But I, I think there's a lot of contributing factors to this. First and foremost, um, when this initially happened, Page did this as a fuck you to Robert Plant. 
You know, because they were in talks to do this shit and plant pulled some plant shit and backed out. And then he got Coverdale, and that really pissed Plant off, because Plant never liked Coverdale. Two, and I think probably the most important, though, that kind of sabotaged this whole thing, was when they planned the tour, uh, Paige didn't get the offers that he thought deemed worthy of his stature. Uh, you know, he envisioned doing this, you know, huge arena tour. Uh, when the album came out, and then when promoters came back, like, well, we could put you in some, you know, big theaters, and uh, Paige's ego couldn't take that. That's when the whole thing got canceled. Piggyback on that, and it also lit a fire under Plant's ass, where said, you know, he said, fine, if you're going to do this, goddammit, you know, we're going to do it. So you had this huge trifecta of things, uh, you know, that pretty much killed this, you know, right out the gate. Now, as far as the reissue thing, from what I heard, it really, like, he was starting to work on it, then COVID happened. And COVID kind of, you know, shut the shit down, and Paige just kind of lost interest in it. I don't think it's anything that at this point, where Plant could be having anything to do with it, because they're never getting back together, so... Plant can't give Paige that kind of scare. Like, if you do this, I'm not going on Zeppelin tour because it's not happening anyway. So, I think Paige just doesn't give a shit now. You know, too old, doesn't give a shit, doesn't want to put the work in. And in reality, uh, I think another thing is there's no way in hell it would sell compared to any of the, you know, Zeppelin reissues. We would buy it up, but, uh, you know, the, the regular Joe on the street, you know, even people who bought the album when it came out probably wouldn't go out and, you know, spend box set money on this shit. Yeah, it so would. Because they really did drop the ball. When it came out, it was it was, it was selling gangbusters. It did really well when it was yeah. new. And then the promotion just stopped. It was like, what happened? You know, it just didn't, you know, it just yeah. disappeared. And it was like, Wow, you know, uh, how weird that an album that makes money gets a kibosh from the record label. It was Geffen, Geffen Records. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think Geffen did it. I, I think it was more Page. You know, probably you're probably right. I don't know. Just, All I know is that that album's awesome. Yeah, but you know, it's like, you know, you had to factor with it. It sold. It got mixed reviews, but people did like it. And then, you know, but Paige didn't want to play theaters and Plant's like, okay, I'll come back now. Of course he's going to drop Coverdale like fucking crazy. And I, I read an interview with uh, Coverdale where he talks about it like Paige just kind of stopped answering the phone. You know? Like once the shit broke down on the American tour, you know, Paige just like quit talking and then next thing you know you got that unleaded bullshit. So... Oh, well. I, I, I think... I think he just pulled like an ace spray and was like, oh, I'm going to make more money over here. Bye. Yeah. See ya. You know. And it's it's a smart, if you've got a chance that, you know, you think you're going to get Zeppelin back together. Yeah. You, you'd probably do that. You know? Well, at least we got an album. I'm happy with that. Yep. All right. Well, uh, oh shit. that's it for the news. All right. 
So, I'm gonna let you talk to these good people. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I've got like a heartburn or something. I'm gonna take something. I can't stop burping. I don't like that. So, uh, you talk to the good people. I'll be back. Alright. Uh, and, by the way, uh, don't get offended. You got Ian calling you good people. You guys aren't good. You're like me and Ian. We're all scumbags. I guess I'll talk about how I discovered Slayer. Um, was a magazine. First time I ever heard of Slayer. It was that infamous picture. I think it was, uh, I could be wrong. I think it was Jeff Hanneman's girlfriend at the time that they're all over her and blood and it's mine. I remember seeing that picture and then I went to a record store soon after and I saw I saw Show No Mercy and I'm looking at the cover, man, he's badass and I flipped around at and that vision of, of Jeff Hanneman with the cross. I have to buy this album. So yeah, I bought it, took it home, played it, and honestly, I didn't get it the first time. It took me a few lessons. I can't, gotta be honest here. I didn't think it was horrible, but it wasn't grabbing me, you know? And at that time, I loved everything underground. Exciter, Raven, Merciful Fate, Venom. I loved all that shit first listen. Slayer was, I don't know about this record. Yeah, now I worship it. It's an awesome album. I wish they would have kept the, the, the macabre look, but under the pressure of the thrash bands in San Francisco, they took it off because they went up there playing gigs with that makeup and they were like, no, 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 no. You know, those thrashers, you got to take that shit off. But it wasn't like glam makeup. It was macabre looking shit. I thought it looked fucking awesome. I loved it, but unfortunately, you know, the, 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 the elite, what do you call them? The gatekeepers made them take, I'm a gatekeeper. Made them take off the makeup and it was lame. I prefer Slayer with the macabre makeup. And, uh, yeah, there you go. I told everybody how I discovered the Eternal Mercy. Ah. Man, Pepto-Bismol some chalky shit. Yeah. Beer ain't going down good. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Alright, Slayer. Uh, how I discovered Slayer. Um, talked about this on the show uh, many times. It was 1986 or 87. I was trying to get like the most evilest shit. I was going through like a Satan phase. Like anything evil I wanted to get. And I bought Rain and Blood and King Diamond Abigail. Didn't like either one. And I was like, eh, I ain't feeling this shit. This is noise. Because uh, I was kind of like, you know, Metallica and Anthrax I could handle. A little bit of Megadeth, but this shit was just like far too crazy. Didn't come back to Slayer until 1990. Uh, I was uh, took a trip to California. I was riding around the Sunset Strip listening to KNAC. And um, Seasons of the Abyss came out. And I was like, holy fucking shit. You know, that was a new album just came out. And it blew me away. 
just blew me away. I was like, oh man, I gotta go back, you know, check out the Slayer band. And, and just to show you where I was at at 16 years old, on that trip to California, I bought Seasons of the Abyss, Alice Cooper from the Inside, and Delight. That one with Groove is in the Heart. Good shit. Um, oh, really? Yeah, oh, I love that song. Damn. Still to this day. I fucking love it. Love it. You know, every night I'm going to start praying to God and thanking him for me not being born when you were born. You don't like Groove in the Heart? Dude, seriously. If that shit was released today, you'd be cringy. I don't know, man. That's some funky no, no, bass no, by Mr. Bootsy Collins. Dude, honestly. <laughs> you with your fucking gaming bullshit. Yeah, this was 90. Even worse. So. <laughs> yeah. Was a worse era. But anyway. Um, so, fell in love with uh, Season of the Abyss. Went back. Got South of Heaven. Really. Sorry. Dug that. Um, that gave Rain and Blood another chance. Still was a while before it, it caught on with me. And then I went back and checked out the Metal Blade shit, which you already know I was weird about if it's not a fucking major. And it was just uh, way too raw, too underproduced for me. Uh, you know, so I bought it, but I, did, I didn't really listen to it all that much. And it wasn't until I just kept getting more and more and more into Slayer, I went back. And now, I mean, you know, that Metal Blade shit to me is fucking godly. Um, even though, you know, the production leaves a lot to be desired, but, uh, you know, Show No Mercy, Haunted the Chapel, Live Undead, and fucking Hell Awaits, just like, holy shit, and if anything, I just keep liking it more and more and more as time goes on, especially Hell Awaits was the one that took me the longest to get into, uh, and, and now I just think that shit's fucking incredible, um, but I'm, try I'm trying to think of a time frame here of when I really started appreciating the the Metal Blade stuff. It was probably mid-90s, mid to late 90s. I mean, once I got onto Slayer with Seasons, I, you know, I was still everything that was new, I, you know, I got and I liked. Uh, Divine Intervention took me a little bit to get into. Liked all the other shit. I still don't uh, like it now. Yeah. It, it's got its moments. There's stuff I really like, and then there's other stuff I'm like, yeah, it's a little undercooked. Um, you know, I, I think that was them trying to like, oh, we can still be aggressive without Lombardo. It's not going to change anything. We're going to do another, uh, you know, Rain and Blood, but the songs weren't there. It had the attitude and the shortness, but I don't think the songs, you know, stood up as well. But there's, there's shit I do love. But uh, anyway, yes, Slayer. And now Slayer is my favorite of the big four by far. By far. They're definitely the fucking heaviest. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people who can't listen to Diablos. I know you're one of them. Uh, but other than that, I think, you know, you like everything else, just not as much as the other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, saw them live many times. They always brought it, you know. Lucky enough to see them, you know, a bunch of times with Hanneman, you know, and then when Bardo came back. And, but I'm not a Bostoff hater, and... You know, I thought Gary Holt did great with him live. 
I wish they would have let Gary be more involved in Pempfus. I think it would have been a better one. I still don't think it's bad, but, you know, Henneman was always my favorite Slayer and his songs, you know, when I started paying attention to who wrote what, nine times out of ten, all my favorite songs were Henneman songs, so. I think Gary could have used the help. I think it would have been a, it would have made the album a little bit more dynamic, but, uh, Fucking Slayer. Fucking Slayer, man. I, I love this shit. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I love this fucking album. And it's coming up on the 40th anniversary of this shit. Can you believe 40 fucking years of fucking Slayer? Early 84, right? No, uh, this came out in late 83. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Decep December, December 3rd, 1983. So we're almost exactly at 40 years. I bought it back then. I bought it when it was good. You know, and then you look at like, you know, this is one of those that's very unique in uh, in Slayer's catalog because there's no other Slayer album that sounds remotely like this. Kind of like how you are with Anthrax, and there's no Anthrax album that sounds like Fistful of Metal. That's, that's, um, that was Anthrax being metal. And we differ on opinion there, but I mean, we can both agree that that's a sound they never had again. Yeah, that's uh, the, the, the same with Slayer. Uh, you know, shortly, I mean, just months after this, they released Haunting the Chapel, which is, I, I mean, just holy fuck, what a what a jump forward, you know. And then you got Live Undead and, and Hell Awaits is like holy, you know, ten times more. And then you, you know, by the time you get the Rain of Blood, fucking forget about it. But um, I know a lot of people who don't like Slayer, believe it or not. You know? As in they suck cock. Well, I was just going to say, you know, and it's mostly at the gay bars I hang out at. Um, you know, like where I see Bushy and Mark and the other Hagar fans. Uh, but where else are you going to find men with no gag reflex? Um, so yeah, I, I just fucking love this shit and... Spoiler alert, I would say this is my second favorite debut of the Big Four. What says you, Ralph? Yeah, I like Fillmore more. Yeah. Um, I love this album. Like, you know, I, I like you. At that time, I was looking for albums from Metal Blade, Combat Records, and I love that dirty sound. Now, the interesting thing about Show No Mercy is uh, when they recorded it, Dave Lombardo had to go back in the studio and record him hitting the cymbals. You know yeah. How that is? Yeah. The cymbals for the whole album. But I yeah. love it. I love I don't. I can't tell bad production. I mean, sometimes I could, and I still love the production, even if it's bad. Um... I said it already, you were in the bathroom. I didn't get this album right away. You know, when I first put it on, I didn't know what to think about it. I wasn't sure. But I kept giving it chances. And, yeah, it, it did grow on me. And then when I bought Haunted of Apple, which is my favorite Slayer release, they were unstoppable for me. They were, the, they were my band. When everybody else was going with Turbo, and, and, and somewhere in time, 
an ultimate sin. I went to slay. I went to Metallica. You know, I went to destruction. You know, I went to Sodom. I mean, that, that music is what, you know, I was a metalhead, dude. I'm a true metalhead. And when it got to the little, you know, Motley Crue Theater pain, fucking up everything for all these bands, all this wave of metal came in that I just jumped on that and said bye-bye to your little fucking, you know, heaven can't wait, heaven can't wait, heaven can't wait, fuck you, hella wait, that's where I'm going, man, so, uh, well, I guess when you went to Sodom, you know, the rest of us all went to Sodomy. Yeah, exactly. You know, Sodomy. Uh, quick question. Uh, you say when you got this, you didn't necessarily get it at first. Were you already, like, aware or into Venom yeah. at that time? Yeah, I was talking about that earlier. I already owned Welcome to Hell. I already owned the first uh, Merciful Fade EP and, and Melissa. I already owned uh, Raven. I already owned Exciter. I own a lot of that underground shit, you know, Anvil, Motorhead, all that stuff. I had before Slayer. I don't know, Slayer was a weird, it, it, it didn't take me that long to grab. I got to say, first few listens, I was like, I don't know about this. But I kept giving it chances over and over again. And it, it was really, you know, the and, first song that really grabbed me off this album was uh, Black Knight. That's the one that, did, even the first times I heard it, I was like, wow, I like that song. Did you know about him already from Metal Massacre before you got it? You knew Aggressive Perfector? No, no, I didn't. I wasn't aware of Metal Massacre, but I was aware of Slayer because in magazines they had that infamous picture of them hovering over Jeff Hanneman's girlfriend with her full of blood. You know that famous yeah. picture? Yeah. I've seen that picture before I bought the album. But like I said earlier, I, I went to the store, I saw the album, and when I turned the album over, and I saw Jeff Hanneman holding that cross on the guitar, I had to buy the album, you know? Had to buy it. I mean, look, I am not a Satanist. I do not practice, nor do I want to practice Satanism. But God damn, do I love a song that praises the dark world. <laughs> it's true, man. I mean, songs that praise Satan are fucking awesome. They're just awesome. You know, doesn't make me want to go worship the guy, but I love hearing it. You know, I get a charge out of that. And yeah, Slayer did it. You know. And at the same time, you love Striper too. You're a very complex man, Ralph. Well, Striper, you see, and here's the thing: Striper, like when they're singing "Jesus God," it doesn't pump me up. Like when I hear, you know, um, you know, "All Hail Satan." Yeah. And that's why I like Lady Striper more because they ain't hitting me over the head with Jesus God, Jesus God. They're still singing about Jesus and God, but they're a little more clever and they don't, you know, do it so blatant, you know? So blatant, blatantly talking about God doesn't do it for me like songs that blatantly talk about sin. Fair enough. All right, well, why don't you take the opening track on this uh, metal opus? Evil Has No Boundaries is yeah. a fucking classic. And if you go on YouTube, type in Thrasher Die, Evil Has No Boundaries. We played it a few times. And it's up it's up on YouTube. 
Uh, what can I say? What an awesome, awesome song. Tom Araya's scream kicking it all in. And, you know, I, fuck, man. A classic, Stone Cold classic. Evil Eye with No Boundaries is definitely, you know what you're in for when you play this album. You hear that song, it's like, this song is 100% Slayer. No two ways about it. I love it. I love you. I love that. Oh, yeah. Well, I love it, too. And from the beginning, you know, you've got that that scream and those guitars, man. Slayer is fucking here. And uh, I think this more so than... Well, probably this is the only one where I really think you hear their influences at the time. You know, I think from Haunted the Chapel on, it's full-blown Slayer and their own unique sound. But you hear a lot of influences on this. And I hear a lot of Venom in this one. Uh, and I love it. Perfect way to open up the album. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Evil Has No Boundaries. This is one that I don't think I ever heard him play this. I don't think so. Did you ever see him play it? No, I've never seen him play this one. Yeah, I, I think I've heard a few off of this. Maybe two. But uh, never heard this one. Loved it. What a lovely Seen it in uh, the set list. Alright, I'll take the next one, The Antichrist. Once again, here I get major Judas Priest vibes. And this was a, you know, Priest was a band that Carrie uh, and Jeff both bonded over. And, uh, you know, I believe they played a lot of, like, you know, Priest Maiden covers and stuff when they first started out. And I totally get that on this one. This one, I think I might have seen him play live. Uh, but Stone Cold Classic, man. And, and just the... It's cool, the new wave of British heavy metal that you hear on this album that you'll never hear again. Uh, classic fucking track that I'm glad that they did keep around. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Like the, if ever there was a single on this album, it'd be this one. <laughs> you know, it's catchy. It's, uh, you know, I can see a guy that doesn't like Flair like this one. Because it's a little very uh, up front. Not, um, it's just, it's just a ripping tune. And yes, uh, I saw, you know, the first time I saw Slayer was uh, South of Heaven. And they played this, that They also played it on the Seasons Tour as well. Antichrist is amazing. It's one of my favorites. Probably my, probably my second favorite song on this album. My all-time favorite Slayer song is on this album. Yes, I do know that. Antichrist. Yes, it is. Then, I, you know, they say, the next song is that they say, the pen is mightier than the sword. I say fuck the pants. Cause yeah. you die by the sword. Fuck yeah. Uh, this would be the second single off the album. Uh ripping. I love those riffs that da na 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 in that middle section that punchy gun 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 metal to the core. Hey! You cannot like this song if you don't like metal. If you are a fan of heavy metal, you will love that metal sword. And Antichrist. You may not like Slayer, but those two songs, if you're into metal, you'll love them. I love that metal sword. Classic. 
always play, well, by the way. Every time I've seen them, there's a lot of times this is the only song they play from. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's a song that's always played too live. Well, this is the one that will finally dispunk uh, this uh, horrible rumor you spread about me that I hate metal. Because uh, I absolutely love this. And depending on the day, I go back and forth on whether this is my favorite off the album. Today, I think it is my favorite. Uh, fuck yeah. Punky and New Wave of British Heavy Metal at the same time. Uh, and I love that fucking breakdown in the song. I mean, it's just... I love that there's you can hear all the elements, all the influences, but they're still taking it like in a whole nother direction. And uh, yeah, if you don't like this, you don't like Slayer. Or Metal, pure and simple. Uh, fuck yeah. Excuse me. I'll take the next one. Fight to death. Um, now this one I find odd because of who this sounds like to me. And I hear this one and I hear major Metallica vibes on this one. It reminds me of Kill Em All. I mean, I know they both came out in the same year and I'm sure they saw each other playing at clubs. But, uh, you know, this is the one where I don't hear Priest, I don't hear Matem, I don't hear Venom. I hear Kill Em All era Metallica. And that is not a bad thing, because this song fucking kicks ass. What do you think about Fight to Death? Fucking beautiful song. Awesome. Where, I gotta tell you, man, the best time I ever saw Slayer was when they were doing that Rain and Blood tour. Not... Yeah, I saw that. Not in 86. That later one. Right, right, yeah, where they, the blood came down on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played Fight Till Death that night. And they played at Dawn They Sleep. Yeah. They were throwing out some rare gems that night. But this song, fucking own. Ripping fast. It's, to me, this sounds like Slayer. This is like Slayer right here. Um, yeah, Fight Till Death. Fuck. Next is Face the Slayer. Uh, Face the Storm. Metal Storm, Face the Slayer. Don't get it twisted. Let's cut the deck and then shit on the deck, okay? This song is awesome. A little half cooked. I think it should have been a little more... I don't think it's, it's really fleshed out that well. But, either way, it's very... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, juvenile... You know, like, hey, let's just do a real heavy metal song, man. And I love it for that. I love the conviction and stuff, but I feel this is a song that could have been better. That's how I feel about it. My least favorite song on the album. Too. Wow. I don't hate Interesting it. Take. I don't hate it. Interesting take, uh, because this is the one uh, that I say goes back and forth. Uh, you know, between this and Die by the Sword is my favorite. I absolutely love this one. I love the way it stands out. I love the primitive, like, metal of it. And this is the most, like, just regular metal sounding song I think they have in their entire catalog. But at the same time, it's so metal, this shit made fucking Man of War piss their fucking Tarzan costumes. I mean, <laughs> this shit, I, I fucking love it. I love the intro. Um, 
You know, you know how I'm weird about you know naming the intro something different. You know, I think I, I always give Hellion and Electric Eye the pass, but everything else I'm sub, you know, suspect on. But this one, I fucking oh, do I love this song? And holy fuck, is this a perfect like first side? Um, as much as I do love this album, I believe it's front loaded. Um, my favorite songs are definitely on the first side, but, uh, yeah, I think this one is killer and it's neat to hear him play something like, again, you know, that this just sounds like traditional metal to me and I, and I dig it, but I do get what you said about the juvenile-ness of it, you know, there is something about it sounds like this is the first song they wrote and then they became Slayer, but they kept this one around because it was the first song they wrote kind of shit. Um, but yeah, I love it. Uh, then we'll flip this bad boy over and it opens up with black magic. Oh! Oh! Evil as fuck. Six songs into this fucking album and, and in my opinion, not a bad track and they're not letting up. Uh, black magic is one that would go in and out of the set over the years. I have seen him play this one live. Uh, and I love it. I, you know, like you were talking about how the, you know, the same shit pumps you up. There is just everything about this song is evil, and uh, just like the title, it, this is some black magic. Holy fucking shit! Um, killer, killer way to open up side two. What do you think? Yeah, this. Uh, I probably said any question. No, this is my second favorite song off the album. It, it, and, and when I thought I first bought the album, I couldn't get into it except for this song. This song grabbed me on first verse. And I still think, I mean, it's my second favorite on here. I love the build-up. And I usually don't like songs that are quiet and build-up. But I think this one deserves it. It deserves that build-up, like the guitar bass coming in. It's just amazing. An amazing song. I love Black Magic, and yes, I've seen them play this a ton of times. Classic Slayer right here. Then we right. go to Tormentor next. Yes, sir. Another great one. It's a deep track. Love the guitar solo on this. The guitar solo is fucking awesome. And they're not really known for great guitar solos. But I think their best guitar solos are really in the metal play now. And, and this one, and it's fucking awesome. Tormentor rules. I love it. What do you think? Uh, I do like this song, but if I had to pick a least favorite, it would probably be this. And there, there's nothing really that I can pinpoint on why that is, but I think like the perfect um, telltale to that is, is when I was doing my notes for this, and I, you know, listened to this like fucking three or four times today. Uh, this is the one where I had to go back and realize, like, oh, shit, I forgot to take notes on it because I kind of didn't notice that the song had changed. Uh, and I went back and listened. And I'm like, why did that happen? You know, or why did that did not grab my attention like everything else? Uh, and I went back and, like, you know, okay, sit down, listen to it. I dug it. I like it. But there's still, there's, I don't know what it is about it, but it just didn't grab me like the the six that came before it, but there's nothing nothing offensive of it about it. Uh, I dig it, but would be my least favorite. It's an album track to me. Yeah, I don't think this is, I don't even know if they ever played this live. 
Yeah, they did it back in the early days. This whole album was live in the in the early club days. I well, I mean, I'd be I'd be surprised if it made it past the tour for this album. No, uh, yeah, it probably didn't. But yeah, I have a I have this really cool uh, Slayer show from Woodstock, California, where they play this whole album plus Ice Titans, an unreleased song, and Aggressive Perfection while played at that show. Nice. Right on. Uh, all right. Uh, is it my turn to go next for your turn? Yeah, you go next. I'll be right in this room. I ain't going nowhere. He's grabbing something. All right. Final command. Um, a simple and solid album track to me. Uh, again, and I don't know if it's because, you know, it, it comes after one that I was kind of didn't hate but lukewarm about. But this is another one I, I, I think it's okay. It's good, but doesn't grab me, um, you know, the, the way the first six did. And I think that's why, you know, like if I'm comparing, you know, debuts from the big four, you know, because there's plenty of other great thrash debuts, but if we're talking about the big four. Of course, Kill Em All is my favorite. Uh, and that's because I think every song, you know, is a certain level, even though, you know, I would have to pick the least on that, you know. But I think they're all at a certain level where this one has a couple of what I would call album tracks. Uh, again, not a bad song, not as good as what came before. That's why I think this album's pretty uh, front-loaded. What do you think of uh, Last Command? Or not Last Command? I love it. Another great guitar solo on this one. Uh, I love it. I feel like this song and Fomento are both fleshed out. I don't think anything change on it. I think they're just classic, classic metallic tunes on it. And I love it. Is the next one Cryonics? Yes, it is. My all-time favorite Slayer song. Best song on this album and best song on any Slayer album. Always been my favorite when, it, when this album finally, you know, I mean, it's very close to Chemical Warfare. I ain't gonna lie. Chemical Warfare is right there with it. But there's something about Chronics that is different than any Slayer song. It's almost a melody with, with uh, the vocals on it. Love it. Everything I love. It's, it's more traditional metal than Slayer. It's the most traditional metal Slayer song there is. Chronics, fucking awesome. My all-time favorite Slayer song. There you go. Awesome. Well, I definitely dig it. <laughs> Not as much as you, but I mean, I've known shit. You, you told me this when you first started doing the show damn near a decade ago that this was your favorite. And I, that always struck me as kind of weird because it's like, I don't remember Cryonics, but I, don't, I didn't remember it like as much as the other songs on this album. And as I'm listening to it today, I'm trying to like, okay, what, what is it about this that makes this Grouse favorite? Not only off this album, but Slayer song of all time. And I'm listening and listening. And then it gets that middle section. And I, I think that's that's the part, the middle section and the outro to this is what I think takes this song over the top uh, and completes it. I, I wasn't hearing it at first, man, but man, when it gets to that, that middle breakdown and the guitar work and, and the ending of it, it's one of those where, man, I, I didn't want this song to end because it just keeps building and building and building and building and building and it just never comes down but it stops 
You're like, no, fuck, keep going. You know, this is when you want like a a maiden link track. You know, I wish this was their Empire of the Clouds. <laughs> you know, but it's not. I mean, they, you know, and, and for probably you know wise decision. They knew when to fucking end it. But I love it. It's not my favorite of all time, but uh, I definitely dig it. And and the second half of this song, I totally get uh, your love for it based on just that alone. Um, and then uh, I'll we'll go with the ending track, the title track, "Show No Mercy." Uh, fuck, I love that one. I, I love it. To me, it like the album ends on such a high note because of the second half of Cryonics, and then it goes into this. Uh, and and to me, this is just as like you know uh, important and as catchy and good as as the as side one. Um, again, another song I never heard him play live. Uh, but man, I, I fucking. I, I dig the shit out of Show No Mercy. Great way to end it. And, uh, again, a weird ending because you would never hear this type of Slayer again. What do you think? Love it. Love it. Great ending. Fits the album perfectly. Killer metal. Uh, what can I say, man? This Murphy song. I mean, fits the album perfectly. Full album rules. Absolutely love it. Great album. Show No Mercy. Slayer. 40 years. Holy shit. Where's the time go? Yep. All right. Well, that is our review. Uh, this was released December 3rd, 1983. Recorded in November of 83. So, man, they just got this done and put it out on the shelves. It would go on to be, at that time, the, the uh, biggest selling Metal Blade album. And that's why uh, Slagle got him back in the studio right away to do, you know, Chemical Warfare and, uh, you know, Live Undead and all this shit. Because it's like, man, people were were loving the Slayer shit. Um, produced by Slayer and Brian Slagle. Um, and kind of a, I don't know, a controversial take. I, I, I think Ralph will probably disagree with me on this big time. But... Um, this is one I would have loved to hear him re-record. Uh, and not like, you know, right at the end. I'm, I'm thinking, man, if they would have done this around, um, you know, like South of Heaven or Seasons era, when they had Rick Rubin, who was still like paying attention and, and doing good production with them, I would have loved to hear these tracks fattened up with a better... Um, you know, with a better sound. And I think Araya is one of those rare vocalists who, I think he got better with age. I mean, I, I think his voice really just kept, you know, it was still strong at the end, but with, with each release, uh, I liked where he was going and, and liked his uh, vocals. But so often when you get these re-recordings, they're absolutely terrible. So maybe I'm way off on it, you know, but nobody wants a fucking still hungry. But I think, like, late 80s, early 90s Slayer, like, you know, with the original lineup, I would have loved to hear them, you know, tackle these again. And, and Lombardo said as much himself because of his disdain for the uh, for the drum tracks on this. But he also said, but who knows, fuck it. You know, it is what it is, and I love it. What do you think? Well, they re-recorded Aggressive Perfector, and it wasn't as good as... Uh... The Metal Blade version and my version, and that was very cleaned up, Rick Rubin style. 
Yeah. I'll take the Metal Master version any day. I like them both. I, li I like the re-record. I like um, the original more. Oh, I don't dislike it, but yeah. I like the original much more. Oh. Right on. It's got a human element, you know? Not everything's got to be so goddamn perfect. You know, I love the, you know, that's why I love 70 Savage. It's so organic. And that's how Slayer was. That's how Dave Lombardo, right there, Dave Lombardo. Bothoff's a great drummer, but he's too precise. Lombardo was like Bill Ward all over the fucking place. He was unorthodox. He had a vibe that you heard him, you knew it was Dave Lombardo. You know, is just a great drummer, like any other great drummer. You know? True. So I, yeah, Lombardo is what makes Slayer for me. Yeah. All right, well, here's another hot take. I, I know you'll make fun of me for this. Um, Chemical Warfare's, I, I love Chemical Warfare, but it's my least favorite on Haunt of the Chapel. I, I like Capture of Sin and, and Haunting the Chapel and Aggressive Spectre more. Okay. Yeah, true. I, and I know probably nobody else has ever said that, but I was I was thinking that today because I had some time left over. It's like, fuck, I'm listening to fucking, you know, Haunted Chapel. And, and I love, you know, I love uh, Chemical Warfare, don't get me wrong, but it was always one of those, I don't know, and they always played Chemical Warfare, you know. Uh, but man, I love Captain Sin. I don't know, I don't know. I think they might have played it one time when I saw Slayer. Oh no, they played oh. Captain Sin a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Boy, those were some wild days when I was seeing Slayer back then. I love Captain Sin. That's I love something. the whole EP. My favorite Slayer. Movie. Yeah. Okay. Man, don't don't even get me fucking started on Hella Waits, man. That's still to this day. Every time I listen to it, because originally I was like, let's do Hella Waits, <laughs> and I'm listening to it on the way to work. Well, I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, Slayer. And I'm like, I kind of remember talking about this song. And I looked up, like, shit, we did it. We did Chemical Warfare, and uh, or we did Haunted the Chapel, and Hello Waits. And we might have even discussed this one, too, but who gives a fuck? We're redoing it. It's the 40th anniversary. It's fucking Slayer. Slayer! Yeah. All right, well, now it's time to go on Pick of the Week. Ralph, do you have a Pick of the Week? You go. All right, and I'm going to do what Ralph hates. I have two, but they're by the same band, uh, which is Slayer. And uh, the first one I'm going to pick, I think, you know, if there is anybody out there that's like a, a holdover yet, like, you know, I ain't getting on the Slayer train. I think a really good introduction to them is South of Heaven. I think more so even than, than Rain and Blood or, or this or, you know, Seasons. I, I think if you're kind of new to this shit, South of Heaven, if you get South of Heaven, you know, it's a good building block. Uh, and then it just gets better from there. Uh, but I still love that album. I mean, it's a kind of a, what a 180 from Rain and Blood, but not like in a like load, reload, black album kind of way. Uh, they just decided, what do you do after Rain and Blood, you know? And they slowed it down. Uh, but the songwriting, Oh, man, Behind the Crooked Cross, <coughs> the title track, Mandatory Suicide, Ghost, Ghost of War. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And 
So that's my first pick. And my second pick is a live album that doesn't get talked nearly about nearly enough, and that's Decade of Aggression, recorded on the Seasons Game Best Tour in Lakeland, Florida. The first disc is all from Lakeland. Um, man, just Slayer in their fucking prime right before, you know, Lombardo would leave, you know, for the big tenure. Uh, I, I think it's a great live album. You know, sounds great. Uh, the set list is killer. Uh, just a great mix, man. I think there's like two or three songs off this album on there. I think Black Magic is on there. Uh, Die by the Sword. Uh, Antichrist, I think, is on there. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. That opens up with Hella Waits. Real good live album, in my opinion. So yeah, I would check out those two. That Lakeland show was the show before I saw the final show of the Thrasher Titans, which was in Miami. On July 14th, the reason I remember July 14th is because that's my mom's birthday. Uh, yeah, I have the, a very rare metal box version of that live. Oh, yeah? That brings... I know one of the bones... There's a couple bones tracks. One of them skeletons with the side. Yeah. Um, I know there's another song on there that didn't come out on the original. One. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Maybe Hallowed uh, Point? Probably Hallowed Point. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. Because uh, it was on the Japanese edition and the re... Uh, oh, at Dawn They Sleep. Yeah, yeah. In Skeletons of Society. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that rare metal. And it even brings uh, authenticity, you know, a little thing of authenticity. Yes, and the Lakeland show was July 13th, 1991. Yeah, I, the very last so. show of the Thrasher Titans was in Miami, and uh, something infamous happened while Slayer was doing the last song, uh, Angel of Death, a big fish was lowered down in front of Tom Araya, and that was <laughs> Anthrax doing a prank on it. Uh, man, I, I remember I bought that like right when it came out, and uh, this is back in the days when CDs still came in the long boxes and shit. Still have that long and, box. Yeah. And uh, and the booklet that came with it was a long box book. Yep. Yep. I got all yep. of it. Yeah. I still got that myself. Uh, man, amazing shit, man. I think back to how, man, once I got into Seasons, I was like, holy fuck, man. I, I Ever since, man. Slayer, 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 Slayer. That's my last favorite Slayer album, but I hate, I hate Dead Skin Mask. I hate that fucking Really? Movie. And they play it all the time. I can't say Oh, yeah. I, I love it, but it's one of those, like, uh... Bores me, man. Oh, I, I love it, but I wish it would have gotten taken out of the set list just to make room for another classic, because it did get overplayed. I, I will agree with you there. All right, what's your pick of the week, Ralph? Well, I'll stay with Slayer. Um, my favorite Slayer release, Haunting the Chapel. Didn't bring aggressive perfection until later on copies. My first copy. Right. My first copy was only three songs. And yeah, yeah Haunting the Chapel, you know, um, Capture of Sin, and... Chemical Warfare, that EP to me is like the perfect bridge of Show No Mercy yeah. to Hell Awaits. It's got yeah. a vibe of both those albums. 
in those three songs. And I can't get enough, man. I, I love that album. And when it comes to Chemical Warfare, to me, that's their Stairway to Heaven. That's their Freebird. You know, I think that's their greatest, you know, that and Cryon. I mean, I like Chronics more, but I feel like that's their greatest opus, I would say. That's probably the one that Rick Rubin wrote, read, heard and said, holy fuck, I need these guys. Chemical Warfare rules. And a shout out to the Ultimate Revenge home video where they play Chemical Warfare. Oh, yeah, the one with Venom and uh, Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's my Exodus with Paul Bailoff. Piranha, Exodus, what's that one? Metal Command and Strike of the Beast. Bonded by Blood has never been topped in my opinion. But, and Bonded by Blood, I put over. Killing is my business. I'd put it over. Shit, I'd put it over Show No Mercy. I wouldn't put it over Kill em All. But I'd put it right there with Kill em All. Better than Fistful Metal, Killing My Business. I think it's, yeah, it's pretty much the best out of the big four. It's Bonded by Blood. What a fucking yeah. piece of an album. That is some good shit there. All right, well, now I'm going to go into Fan of the Week. And I got a, I got a feeling Ralph and I are gonna have uh, two different fans of the week because <laughs> he's not gonna agree with mine. But I'm gonna do one in honor of a person who, uh, after this weekend, uh, is probably gonna quit podcasting. And uh, this person loves our show as much as he loves to bitch. Boy, this motherfucker doesn't miss an episode. Kind of reminds me of somebody else. You know, say, uh, say all the hate you want. But you sure know what's going on every fucking week. Uh, Mark Allen Taylor. This guy's been listening to our show for a long time. I know he loves the show. Uh, and he's a goofy son of a bitch, and I'm going to tell him so Sunday when I'm on there. Uh, but I know he likes the show. And uh, I, I just hope after that episode, you know, he doesn't do something too drastic, you know. But at the same time, I, I hope he quits podcasting. Uh, uh, he's not going to quit podcasting. And it doesn't matter if he quits or not. It's not like anybody listens. He can keep doing his stupid podcast. I mean, he's going to be floating on the interweb. You know? But uh, yeah, he, he is the funniest kind of, of listener. You know, it's the one who who hates us but can't stop listening. Yeah, he doesn't hate you, Ian. And you're the one that hates him more than I do. Yeah, he doesn't hate me now. Let's let's see what happens Sunday. Because I, I tend to be... when I went on his show, I let him have it, and it didn't change him at all. He's a poser. He, he, he's pretending on the show. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I'm an asshole. I got to stop that. You're right. And then he continues to do it. That's a piece of shit. Oh, you treated me better. Ralph treated me better next field. Oh, me. Nobody treated you bad in Nashville. You only bring that up because you're a little sissy boy that loves drama and loves causing bullshit. You know? Yeah. Everybody knows it. Ian knows it. Chuck Charles knows it. Chris says that. Everybody that was around us, nobody saw me treat you badly in Nashville. Nobody. And I was never alone with your dumbass. I was always hanging out with the guys when you were there. And I never said anything bad to Mark or start anything. Then he has to go, 
Will treat me better than Nashville. Pussy And, you know, and one thing I'll add to that, you know, is as good as you did treat him in Nashville, you treated his wife even better. No comment. <laughs> Girls got rhythm. That girl, uh, that girl was cool. I liked his girlfriend. She, yeah, no, she, it was. She, she got personality. She was nice. She was yeah. nice. I feel bad she lost that bet, but uh, nice, nice person, nice girl. All right, is there somebody else you would like to mention? Yeah, I, well, I got a fan. My fan is Mark Allen. <laughs> oh, oh, the other side to the two faces. Yeah, there you go. The other face of Mark Allen. The one that just loves to lie. But then again, he's a Sam Hagar fan. Sam Hagar fans love to lie. They look up to their idol and they lie like him. And he is a complete bullshit artist that lies constantly and he's opposed And Chuck Charles, I influenced him to leave your stupid show. There you go. All right. Well, this was kind of a short episode, but I'm going to take care of my indigestion. And uh, hey, man, you just got a bunch of shows back to back to back, and this one will be up probably tomorrow. Uh, we're already talking about recording next week. So if you enjoyed this Slayer episode, come back next week. The Rock and Metal Combat